TalkLine Network Radio. And now. Hello and welcome to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am Cindy Gross, your host. And again, I want to thank you for making us one of the most listened to radio shows on 620 AM and 1640 AM on Saturday nights. And you can listen to us also on our podcast anytime, anywhere through iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and iHeartRadio, among other places. And now, welcome to my corner. I want to talk to you tonight and open the show with something that's making news in the media and in entertainment, and that is the premiere of the final season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. You're asking me, why am I making this my opening? It's because the Kardashians have created a genre of television. Without them, there would be no reality TV, no Bravo, no Real Housewives, Bachelor shows, cooking shows, you name it. Reality TV started in 2006 with a little-known uh, woman, Kris Jenner, and her children married to Bruce Jenner, who was the most famous person of the family. We've gone through everything with them. Weddings, divorces, debts, financial situations, uh, moving in homes, traveling, fashion shows. They made fashion show in New York Fashion Week a new genre also, because they brought to us designers we never heard of before, and they made us sit front row with them. I'm reading a brand new book that's out that I'm recommending to you called Dirty Sexy Money, the unauthorized biography of Chris Jenner by Dylan Howard and Kathy Griffin. You know, it's fascinating. We see one angle that E! Entertainment wants to share, but there are many other angles as well. And when you realize that these people made money just for selling what they thought was important and were able to teach us what's influential and important, it really is quite fascinating. Plus, I'm learning a lot more about Chris's relationships with other family members that aren't on the show, about some more uh, information about the divorces of, of Chris and the girls, especially now that uh, it seems to be that Kim and Kanye are over. And it really is a time to reflect on how much we can actually learn from these people. They developed a brand. They have a dedication to work. And they also share family values. That's something many of us today don't share as much. They stick together through thick and thin. And that is why... They are such an influence, really. It's the idea of family sticking together and building a brand. And speaking of families who stick together through thick and thin, I am very proud to announce that my friends at Voices for Seniors are going to be holding a memorial on March 25th in memory of their loved ones and to commemorate Governor Andrew Cuomo's disastrous 325-20 mandate regarding seniors and nursing homes and COVID. 
I want to give a big shout out to my friends at Voices for Seniors, especially Grace Colucci and Tracy Ann, who lost family members. And rather than stay silent, they are helping others across the country demand answers as to why family members were put into these homes, how they were treated, and how they died alone. Many of these people were not able to be with their loved ones as they died and at their funerals. So please join Voices for Seniors on March 25th to commemorate the one-year anniversary of the disastrous mandate of Governor Andrew Cuomo that affected many other states as well when they took the lead on his nursing home initiatives in regard to COVID patients. Issues like the nursing home scandal are nonpartisan that need bipartisan support. And I look forward to sharing with you many issues like this where we could all join together and speak up for what is right. We have a huge show tonight with three guests. So after the commercial, we're going to have Leanne Locken, former original housewife of the Real Housewives of Dallas. Are you looking to update your home? Are you looking for new art? If you're like me, you took advantage of being home during COVID and remodeling and updating the looks on the walls in your home. I am telling you, don't look further. Go to Katya Levanovich's website and find many examples of her award-winning designs that are featured in many of today's homes. And now your host. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Joining us now is one of the original housewives from the Real Housewives of Dallas, Leanne Locken. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Cindy. I'm very excited to be here. Well, we're very excited to have you because you were one of the fan favorites and a lot of us miss you and want to hear what you've been doing since the show. Oh my gosh, I have gone into home renovation crazy town and um and seriously just room by room I have just gone through and completely redone every room. It's been it's been wonderful. I've loved every minute of it. I'm actually what I'm doing is now that I have time, I'm kind of focusing on everything that I really love. And I, I put, I'm putting love into my home. I'm putting love into my marriage. I'm putting love into my animals. Um, and I'm putting love into my friendships, you know, and to, and my Instagram. Well, speaking of marriages, uh, you're coming up on your two-year anniversary. And I always call you the poster child for women who think they can get married and live happily ever after. You are the fairy princess and that fairy tale happy ending. Tell us a little bit about life. Uh, right now. Marriage is wonderful. I never, I honestly never thought it would happen for me. And I waited until I was 52 because I've watched my mother have multiple marriages versus my grandmother and my grandfather who raised me, who were married forever. And they died within six months of each other. They loved each other so much. So I always wanted that love. I wanted that, that love that would last forever. And so I waited until I found someone that I knew, I mean, would just, would, would always be there. And, and that's what I got in my husband. I got a man who will always be by my side, no matter how bad, 
bad I behave. He'll still love me. And, um, you know, and just always be my, my, uh, rock. And that's, that's what I got. I got one handsome rock. Well, you know, the truth of the matter is men like girls, the better they are. <laughs> they don't want <laughs> quiet girls. Well, mine's a cop. So, you know, is he, he only lets me go so far. <laughs> so I have to ask you, did you watch any of the shows this season? I had not seen a single episode. You know, I, um, I, because of social media, I get tagged in like clips here and there and I'll, I'll be like, okay, why did I get tagged? You know, what did they say about me? But, um, no, I'm, I'm not, I honestly haven't had the network Bravo on at all. Um, I'm just really, like I said, spending time renovating my home. I'm outside making stucco walls and redoing fences and, you know, I'm just really kind of not being absorbed with television and being more present with real life and real people. Well, you're lucky because you're in Texas. If you're like me in New York, it's a different story. <gasps> no, you're stuck inside. Constantly. Yeah, you're, you are stuck inside. And that was when I would buy a subscription to Netflix. <laughs> I actually read a lot. I caught up a lot of reading. Anyway, you talked about your social media, and I am one of your followers there. And I do see you do keep in touch with many of your former co-stars. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, Cameron, actually, she, we were just uh, on the phone talking. Uh, she's in Disney, Disneyland right now, happiest place in the world. Let's hope she's happy while she's there. Um, yeah, Cam and I are still great friends. I'm still great friends with Carrie Duber. I'm still great friends with Tiffany Hendra. So let's talk a little bit about your charity work. I don't think COVID stops a girl like you from doing charity uh, work and helping out with events. And especially, I have a feeling you're helping a lot of essential workers. So tell us about oh my, it. Yes, definitely. I will say, while COVID ended the in-person charity and made everything go online and virtual, I still have spent a tremendous amount of my time, you know, when, when COVID first came in, when the pandemic first shut everything down, I spent a lot of time serving, bringing lunches to hospitals and, and fire departments and to first responders, the police departments, um, because these they really were putting their lives on the line to try and help people. And I think that's a testament that is, uh, you know, unreproachable. Um, so I spent a lot of time there, but then also because everything was so shut down, it also truly hurt our more vulnerable communities. So I spent a lot of time handing out, you know, boxes of just a week's worth of food, um, in some of our more, um, delicate communities, trying to make sure that everybody, you know, had what they needed to keep going and knew that they, they weren't, they weren't being forgotten about, you know, we know that it's a real struggle. And if you can give back, I think it's your responsibility to do so. I think if you can make your community a better place and all you do is sit on your sofa and complain about it, you're not living the life that God meant you to have. And, you know, I, I love my community, all of it, the broken parts, the, 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 the shiny parts, all of it. And I just want to make sure that everyone who lives here has what they need, you know, to, 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 to be at least sustain their life. That's the most important thing. Well, I think a lot of that uh, comes from your background and how you really built yourself up from nothing. And you don't forget where your roots are. You don't. And I will tell you, 
most of my nonprofit work comes from the heart that my grandmother instilled in me, learning by reflection of my grandmother. My grandmother was the most giving, loving human being. She'd give you the shirt off her back if she thought you needed it. And she would pray for you. I mean, she just was such this magnanimous angel. And so I have so much of her in me that that is truly where a lot of that comes from. And the other place that it comes from is, you know, the childhood that I had created a lot of shame, which created a lot of self uh, harm. And I just don't think anyone should have to live in shame. I think things happen to us, not because of who we are, but because of situations and we don't have to own them forever. You know, we, we can release them and heal and move forward. Well, that's a really good point, especially this past year when so many people suffered from depression and still suffer from it. You actually discuss it openly and how you dealt with being in bad parts of your life and uplifting yourself and making it uh, truly, you know, happy times for you. You also are somebody who uh, most of us uh, love tips glamour-wise. You're not afraid... <laughs> to share your uh, tips on how you maintain your youthful look. Uh, Share some with us now. You know what? You're right. I am not ashamed. I, I will continue to get, uh, listen, I am, I, I have as much vanity as the next person. And I do care about what I look like. That's part of self-love. And what is good for one person doesn't have to be good for another. But I don't think we need to spend all our time judging each other. So for me, yes, I do Botox because let's face it, I'm probably one of the most expressive faces in the world. Um, I do filler because I am 53 and underneath my eyes sinks quickly and my temples sink. And I do filler around my jawline to make sure that it's more pronounced. And, um, and, you know, I, I have, I have no shame in my game, man. I've had, you know, several boob jobs, keep trying to lift them and get them higher. You know, uh, they say the higher the hair, the closer to God. I'm just saying the higher the boobs, the closer to God. <laughs> and you like to experiment with all kinds of hair and makeup also. So, oh my God, I love wigs. I've probably got 60 wigs in my closet and I really want to start doing a, uh, wigging out Wednesdays where I, you know, put on a wig and show you different looks and y'all can vote for my favorite wig. I do love to be engaging on my Instagram. That is one thing I love. And you you mentioned talking about depression, you know, during the, when the pandemic first hit, I would do, um, to a Wednesday, every Wednesday, I would, I would do Instagram lives trying to, you know, just say, okay, what are how can I help you? How can I give you a different perspective of your depression? Or how can I make something that you're thinking about? How can I change it so that you feel better about it? And I really did. I really took an hour every Wednesday, just trying to help people. I mean, that is genuinely what makes me joyful from my soul. And I think it's sad that anything else, you know, that anything else could be twisted against it. And I just, that's truly what makes me happy is helping people. There's no, there's no greater joy in life than when I get a direct message from someone on social media, even from the UK, uh, they'll say, you know, I got one from a wife recently who was like, you know, watching you on the show, um, makes me understand my husband's volatility so much better. And now 
not only do I know how to make sure I don't set him off, but how to calm him down when he does get angry. And she's just like, you've made my marriage better. How can, how could I not be proud of myself in that moment? You know, that's such a great uh, way for us to kind of segue into, we are going to break for a commercial and we are very happy you joined us here today, and you are an inspiration to so many people. I am going to have on my website uh, your um, your website and Instagram information because many of our listeners would benefit from hearing what you have to say, especially about depression over COVID and how you are a survivor, and not only survived, but thrived. So, Leanne Larkin, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. We're so thank happy you. Came. Thank you so much, Cindy. I appreciate it. How many times have you asked yourself, where can I find the perfect white wine or a perfect rosé? Look no further than the Royal Wines Corporation, international distributors of kosher wines, and you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy them. Royal Wines is a distributor of the worldwide bestseller Bartonova Moscato and with nine generations of winemaking under their belt, the Herzog family presents Lineage, a line of high-quality wines grown under the sunshine of California. From Paso Robles to Clarksburg to the Lake County, the Herzog Lineage wines carry the uncompromising standards that are the pride of the Herzog family. From semi-dry rosé to crisp Sauvignon Blanc, from delicate Pinot Noir to the elegant Cabernet Sauvignon, Herzog Lineage wines are the benchmark of quality kosher California wine. On the Royal Wines website, there is a wine in every price range. You can find out more on the wines by going to their website, www.royalwi. NES.com. That's www.royalwines.com. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. And now your host. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. And joining us is a very familiar face, Gabe Geller of Royal Wine Corporation, who once again is joining us to discuss the biggest trends in the liquor business for the coming spring and summer months, especially now that we have Passover and Easter coming up. And... Uh, People are preparing now for big gatherings. There's a lot more openings, and they want to know what they could buy in bulk 
And what they could bring is the housewarming guest or appreciation gifts for dinners and lunches. So thank you for joining us, Gabe. Well, it's so nice to be here. How are you doing, Cindy? Great. I uh, have to tell you, I really am enjoying our conversations. I'm learning a lot about rosé wines, especially. And I am getting calls from a lot of my listeners that uh, they didn't realize how many delicious wines are actually kosher and available mainstream. They're not just in kosher stores, but they're going now to uh, their you know local liquor stores and they see them and they're requesting them and people know how to order them. So that's great. And if that's we can fantastic. educate one person to like our kosher wines, that's great. <laughs> so... We do have a few great questions that people wrote in to me. First of all, what is the difference between a Merlot and a Cabernet Sauvignon? Because those are really the two most uh, talked about wines in the red category. Okay. Well, uh, what's the difference? First of all, there are two different uh, grape varieties. So uh, there are, of course, uh, hundreds of different types of wines, made all over the world uh, from different grape varieties. Each grape variety uh, has its own uh, specific characteristics. And those characteristics will also show in a slightly different way, depending if the grapes come from, say, uh, Bordeaux in France, from Israel, from California, from Italy, etc., etc. Merlot is the main grape variety uh, in Bordeaux, uh, the most planted variety. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a grape that gives some roundness to the, to, to the wine. Uh, round wines are uh, relatively easy to drink, uh, but they can also be uh, very big wines. They can age for a long time, depending on, again, how the, how the grapes are grown, where they are grown, uh, what the winemaker uh, wants to achieve from those grapes. You know, it's like cooking. Uh, you can do a lot of different things with the same ingredients, uh, but depending on the quality of the ingredient, uh, where those ingredients come from, and of course, uh, what the intent of the of the cook or the chef uh, is, uh, the the result can be uh, can be completely uh, different. Um, Cabernet Sauvignon is uh, is uh, is also one of the main grapes in Bordeaux. Uh, those are wines that are usually a bit bolder than uh, than Merlot. Uh, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is also a type of grape uh, that can adapt relatively easily to different climates, different types of soil. uh, And that's why we find it really pretty much all over the world in California, in France, in Israel, in Australia, in South Africa, etc., etc. So it's it's just two different grape varieties uh, which give give the wine a a different profile. And both uh, variety of grapes are found internationally because if you go into a store, you can find an Italian Merlot, a California Merlot. Mm-hmm. So does it make a difference where the Merlot is made? Yes. Uh, like if you take, for example, uh, Merlot that comes from Bordeaux in France, it's a cooler climate than, uh, say, Napa Valley or, uh, or Israel, for instance. Uh, and the, the, the profile of the wine is going to be, uh, to be different. Uh, when it comes from Bordeaux, for example, it's going to be a bit more tannic, drier. Uh, whereas if it comes from a New World region, such as uh, California, for instance, it's going to be a bit more fruit forward uh, and, and a little bit softer. Uh, so uh, uh, it, really, it really makes a big difference uh, where it comes from. Okay. And... Um... 
when you when someone asks you like their first time tasting wine, what do you recommend first, a Merlot or a Cabernet Sauvignon? It really depends on the context. It depends on the person who asks me uh, and if it is to pair with a specific type of food. Uh, so, 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 so my, my answer will really vary uh, from, uh, from one person to, uh, to the next. So I'm glad you mentioned food because one uh, type of meat that's going to be served a lot this spring, of course, is lamb because so many people eat lamb from Passover and for Easter and, and for spring. What is a nice wine coming out, possibly even new, that you can recommend with lamb? Okay. So there is a, there is a great uh, Bordeaux wine uh, that's full-bodied, that's layered, that's actually a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot. Uh, and it is really perfect for, uh, say, a, a baby rack of lamb, for instance, or, uh, or lamb shoulder roast, uh, for example. Uh, it's called Chateau Mene, M-E-Y-N-E-Y. Uh, it comes from delicious. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really like my combo there. That really sounds great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's great. It comes from the uh, sub-region, the appellation of Saint-Estephe in Bordeaux. And, and it's really, uh, it's, it's really, it's a powerful wine. It goes great with lamb. Uh, and it's a wine that can also age for probably 20 years, maybe more. Uh, and it's for, on your for website. Those who like to, 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 to age wines. <laughs> now, it's on your website if anybody's interested. That's right. Okay, another question I got asked because a lot of people are serving a lot of pastas and lighted dishes, mm-hmm. especially since for us this year, there are three nights and four lunches, or however you want to describe for our beginning of our holiday, and then we have our end. So we're trying to be creative. What's a nice uh, wine with a light pasta? Okay, so uh, a nice wine with light pasta. Uh, I would go with, you know, something that, let's say, a, a, a pasta dish, ali olio, or, uh, or, or with, you know, Alfredo sauce, for example. Uh, I would go for, for a white wine, something bright, acidic, uh, that really can cut through um, the, the, the creaminess and the fattiness of the, of the sauce. Uh, I would go for the Gouchet Sion Sauvignon Blanc. So it's a uh, it's a white wine. Uh, it was not aged in oak barrels, so it's really bright, citrusy, lemony, uh, vibrant acidity, and it comes from the Judean Hills uh, near Jerusalem in Israel. I have to tell you, I have had that wine, and it is delicious, and it's the perfect pairing for what you just described. Because pastas can go very heavy, like an Alfredo, or it can go like in an angel hair with simple garlic and oil, or just fresh tomato for a lighter pasta. And that wine happens to go with both. Oh yeah. You're a hundred percent right, Cindy. That, that, that's just perfect. Uh, You, you just talking about it and you know, it makes my mouth water. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I get off our interviews, I always say to myself, I got to go have a glass of wine and I end up having two. (laughs) So here's another question I got. What is the difference between a $10 bottle of wine, a $20 bottle of wine, and a $100 bottle of wine? Wow. Okay. Uh, the difference, of course, is uh, a lot of money. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, first of all, a lot of the, the cost of a bottle of wine, uh, I would say the majority, to be, uh, to be honest between us, is all marketing. 
you know, uh, uh, in terms of availability. That's to my audience. Now everybody internationally knows that. But. Yeah, absolutely. No, the, of course, uh, of course, that uh, uh, usually a bottle of wine that costs $100 versus a bottle of wine that costs $10, uh, there's a much higher cost that go into producing the, the more expensive wine, uh, whether it's in terms of the quality of the grapes, uh, the region where they come from, where, you know, if you take, for example, Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, those are grapes that are very much sought after. Uh, it can cost a lot of money. We're talking eight to 10,000, sometimes a lot more, uh, $10,000 a ton of grapes, which is 10, 20, sometimes 30 times more expensive than Cabernet Sauvignon from other regions uh, uh, in the world. Uh, so that makes, that makes a huge difference in terms of the, the cost of producing the wine. And then there is uh, uh, the question whether the wine was aged in oak barrels, which type of oak barrels. Those oak barrels can cost a lot of money. Uh, so there, there, is, there is a lot of, uh, of those things that come into play uh, as to the, the, the actual cost of producing a wine. Uh, and then, of course, once again, uh, uh, how many bottles are produced? So there is availability. And then uh, there is, of course, marketing, branding, and all, and, and all, those, uh, all those aspects, of course. So I have to tell you, uh, and not because you are working with nine generations of Herzogs, but I always tell people if they want a nice quality wine that's not going to break their bank, and if they even want to take two bottles to a house, you know, for a dinner or something, I always suggest any of the Baron Herzogs. I particularly love the Pinot Grigio. I think yours is really superior than some of the others. But talking about that, I had in California at Tierra Sur a Chardonnay Blanc Vigneur that I can't get anywhere. Are there exclusive wines just to certain places? Yeah, so the, the, the winery, Herzog Winery, they have a few wines that are only available at the winery itself, that they serve at the restaurant, that people can, uh, can go and buy when they go there. Some of them are sometimes even available on the website, and uh, from most states, uh, you, can, uh, you can order them. Uh, so the website is uh, herzogwine.com, uh, and uh, some of those wines are available uh, on there. Uh, but there, there are not that many wines from Herzog that are uh, only exclusive to, to Tiersur. Uh, but it is true that Herzog, it's a, it's a big winery, you know. Uh, Beautiful. It's one of the best secrets in California. And <laughs> I know so many celebrities that I work with and, and people in business, they go to the restaurant because it is, you know, an award-winning restaurant, kosher or not. It mm. is just an incredible experience. So. Yeah. It is also a great way, though, to taste the wines. One hundred percent. Yeah, Terrasur is actually a, the only Zagat-rated restaurant in the in the region uh, over there in Oxnard, California. So uh, yeah, they do get a lot of guests who go there just for the great food and the great wine, whether they keep kosher or not. Yes, and they don't have to be Jewish, and that's one of my big points here. I love bringing the best of Jewish values and Jewish foods and Jewish culture to my non-Jewish audience and my non-Jewish audience likes to bring some of their best uh, culture uh, habits and hobbies and traditions to ours. So it works both ways. So getting back to some other questions I got, I did get one other question, which was what is the difference between like a private collection, a select collection? Uh, Do you really need all these names to it? Is it just marketing? 
these are people that want to start to really taste wines. I mean, wine tasting became, I think, especially with COVID, so many people were home and they, what are they going to do at five o'clock? They, they made like a fourth meal of like charcuterie boards and great wines. So they want to know the difference between select, private, and a regular collection, which isn't so regular, but. Yeah. So all those names, of course, are marketing, uh, but they, they, come, they come to just put, you know, a difference between each and every uh, level series of wine. Uh, so in this case, selected private collection, uh, Appalachian, those are series from the Carmel Winery in Israel. Uh, and uh, selected is the entry level, uh, comparable to Baron Herzog, uh, which we just discussed. Uh, and there are wines that retail between 10 to 12 13 dollars a bottle. Uh, and then you go up. Uh, you have the private collection, which is 15 a little bit, uh, a little bit higher, between 15 and 20 dollars. Appalachian, which is in between 20 to 25, and uh, and so on and so forth. And of course, you have um, the the overall quality and complexity of those wines, the sophistication of those wines that go up. Uh, and you know, sometimes the great thing about Carmel is that they are very, very true uh to those to those levels uh if you do it the experience the experience for yourself uh, get together with friends uh, encourage everybody uh to maybe taste the cabernet sauvignon in each of those series selected cab private collection cab uh, appellation cab uh and you simply taste them side by side and you will see yourself uh that you get something that is you know easy drinking with the selected uh, juicy, very fruit forward. Uh, when you go to the private collection, it's going to be a little bit heavier, a little bit drier. Uh, and then you go to the Appalachian, it's even bigger. So you, 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 you can feel it. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a big wine connoisseur. Uh, you just taste those, uh, those wines side by side and they're not expensive. You will, uh, you will notice the, the, the differences and understand uh, that it's, of course, much more than just marketing. So here's a question I got from somebody who is religious and who asked at the Seder when we have four cups of wine, should we have four different wines or should we be consistent? Or even if you go to a dinner, do you start off with the white, then you take the red? Should you mix wines with spirits? What's the best way to really appreciate the wine at a meal? Of course. So I would not recommend mixing wines with spirits. Uh, it's usually in general mixing different types of drinks, uh, especially when you're going to drink four cups or more, uh, is, uh, is a recipe for a bad, uh, for a bad hangover. Uh, so I, I would recommend to stick to wine. You can do different types of wine. Some, some, a lot of people that I know love to actually each cup a different type of wine. So they, they are basically doing a wine tasting during the right. Passover uh, seder. So uh, when you say that, is it like different Merlots or is it mixing a white and a rosé and a, it doesn't matter? Anything. It, does, it, do, it doesn't matter. Like some people will start, you know, with a rosé or sparkling wine, move on to a white and to a red and then a dessert wine, for example. Uh, and all of that is fine. I personally go the entire setter with the same uh, with the same rosé, mm -hmm. uh, and for the meal itself, I'm going with like a, a red wine from my cellar, something that I age and kept for years. 
that's that, that that's that's the way I do it. But I've I, I've tried basically every uh, every method, if you like. Uh, well, it's, it's if you haven't tried it, then I don't know who has. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you only sent us twenty five bottles for the kosher food and wine experience, which I should mention is still up on both the Royal Wine website and my website. And if anybody wants a good preview of what to buy, because I know people are now starting to think about what to order for the holidays and for gatherings, here is a great opportunity to learn about the wines. Again, it's K-F-W-E. Is it the, and it, this year it's virtual. And you really get a great uh, education and also a great feeling of comfort watching you could you know rewind in and learn about different wines the wineries and people's feelings about them you're going to get honest opinions which is really good uh one other question someone asked me they want to know is there kosher for passover whiskey wow uh is there kosher passover whiskey well by essence whiskey is not kosher for uh for passover because it's made from fermented uh wheat or and or barley or corn uh when we when we talk about the american whiskey and bourbon um so it's not kosher for passover but they i know of some products in the market that that mimic if you like uh whiskey from uh from different ingredients uh and i've heard different names but uh there's uh, there's really nothing in particular. I've tasted a few. Uh, didn't convince me. I personally, when I want to drink something on uh, on Passover, I drink cognac. I love cognac or brandy, which is cognac style, but not made in the region of cognac in France. Uh, and uh, the, the, there are a few there there are a few examples of that. Actually, we were talking about Carmel before. Uh, they're releasing very soon uh, their uh, their brandy. Uh, they used to make brandy for decades. They're extremely popular, uh, and uh, and they stopped making them for a little while, and uh, they're back to it. So it's called Carmel Seven 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 Brandy. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's great, great stuff. It's much cheaper than cognac. Uh, and uh, and it's just as good and sometimes even better. But there is also uh, kosher for Passover, uh, real cognac from France, uh, such as the, the cognacs from uh, Louis Royer. Louis Royer is a very well-known cognac house. Uh, and uh, they have uh, three different levels of price and quality. VS, which means very special, VSOP, uh, and uh, XO, uh, and they're all uh, all terrific and can be found uh, at most uh, retailer which special which specialize in kosher wine uh, and spirits. Anything else you want to share with our uh, audience? Sure. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Passover again, all those people who like to try different wines uh, for the four cups is a great uh, it's it, it's a great opportunity. Uh, if you don't mind uh, uh, varying uh, between wines, uh, and there are of course many other meals during uh, during Passover, and uh, uh, I really encourage people to get out of your comfort zone uh, and try something else, try different varieties, try different wineries, uh, see something else. Because sometimes, you know, some people tell me I don't like white wine, or I don't like Merlot, uh, uh, or I don't like rosé, and very often, most of the time, uh, it's based on one bad experience. And you should not 
uh, you should not base yourself on one bad experience. If you had the, if you had a wine that you didn't like, uh, and it happened to be a rosé or Sauvignon Blanc or Chardonnay or Merlot, for example, that doesn't mean that all Chardonnay and all Merlot right. and all white wines, etc., etc., are bad. It means that either you just didn't like that wine, or maybe it was an off ball. That that's also possible. And uh, you should give it, give it a chance every time. Give it a chance, uh, especially when you go to wine tastings. You know, KFWE, the regular in-person uh, tasting uh, when we have the, those events. I, I, all the time I see people uh, tell to the forest, give me your best cab. Give me your best cab. Cabernet Sauvignon is great, sure. <laughs> but there are many other wines. Try something else. That's, that, 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 that's what it's for. Try something else. Try something different. Get out of your comfort zone. My mother uh, hates red wine. And I said, just try this. And I gave her a Pinot Noir. And she loves it. And now she doesn't even ask for the white wine anymore. She only wants a Pinot Noir. So <laughs> I, and I, I love, and this year we have Shabbos going into Passover. So we have three big nights of drinking. And, you know, it's just the more the merrier. And I always tell people, be responsible about it. I mean, I drink every night, so with a glass <laughs> of wine, but I have a glass of wine. I don't drink a full bottle, you know, but and that's it. And even if you, you know, all the health benefits that are associated, nobody tells you not to have it. And even some really popular diets now are recommending having it because it does help you. It relieves you mentally and physically. And, uh, I went on your website trying to count how many wines you actually have on there. And I gave up after a (laughs) hundred. How many wines are on that website? Woo. I I just can't, I stopped counting them anymore. Uh, I would say maybe 800 now, maybe even more. uh, And you uh, have something for everyone. That's the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. I won't be shocked if there are over a thousand nowadays. It's, uh, it's, it's growing at a very, very uh, uh, fast pace. So I want to remind everybody, the website is always a great place to find the wines, and you're still shipping to people, I assume, for the holidays. So uh, we're, we keep shipping to the stores every day, huge shipments, the trucks uh, uh, keep going out all the time. It's, uh, it's the Passover rush. Uh, it's always a, a, a great uh, atmosphere uh in the warehouse uh, at royal wine uh and uh yeah it's not too late it's not too late even 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 one hour before the before the passover said there there are there are stores perhaps not the 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 jewish owned stores uh but uh but there are many stores most stores especially in new york city uh, uh where you can go out and buy some great uh some great wines for passover I was in Trinidad and I found kosher wines. And what about for our listeners in the Midwest? They could also get the wines. Of course. Uh, like if you're in Chicago, there are quite a few options. There is Binnie's, which is one of the biggest chains there uh, that has a great selection of kosher wines. Uh, and then there are, of course, uh, uh, kosher, wa- kosher wine stores and, uh, and stores that have a big selection, uh, such as uh, Jewel, uh, Hungarian uh, in Skokie and, uh, and, and many, and, and many others, uh, a, a website that I recommend, by the way, uh, when you want to find, uh, a kosher wine or wine in particular, uh, anywhere you are in the world, it's called winesearcher.com. Winesearcher.com. It is great. And that's it's so fantastic. good. I mean, you don't have to be Jewish. 
You don't have to be kosher and you don't have to live in New York or Los Angeles or Miami to enjoy kosher wines. So, uh, I mean, there's no excuse not to try them. And, and where our wines really is, if not the largest, one of the largest in the world of distributors. So there's something for everyone there. Gabe Geller, I want to thank you again. I know you're going to be back next week. And so I'm telling people right now, if you have any questions, this is a guy to ask, and we'll get them to him. And uh, it's www.royalwine.com. And it's also going to be on Cindy's Corners. I just wrote up an article on my website about the new wines as well. And you have the variety of price ranges and where they're from. So go to my website, go to uh, Royal Wines website. And we are here to say, uh, drink well, drink responsibly, but enjoy the wine, right? 100%. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us again at Cindy Celebrity Corner. We'll be right back. Thank you so much, Cindy, to you. <laughs> Thanks. Are you looking to update your branding and your business? Double G Designs works remotely with all businesses to create logos for stationery, business cards, social media posts, banners and posters, and all your needs for brand development. Gina Gelato has years of experience offering affordable logos to manufacturers, brand ambassadors, and party planners. She can be reached through her Instagram account and through her website, www.ginagelato.com. That is www.ginagelado.com. I use her for my business, and I can tell you, I have gotten many compliments on my logo branding. That's Gina Gelato, double G, designs.com. Are you looking to update your home? Are you looking for new art? If you're like me, you took advantage of being home during COVID and remodeling and updating the looks on the walls in your home. I am telling you. And now your host. Don't look further. Go to Katya Levanovich's website and find many examples of her award-winning designs that are featured in many of today's homes. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I'm your host, Cindy Gross. Joining me now is best-selling cookbook author, Paula Shoya, with her brand-new cookbook, which happens to be uh, based on the, one of the most popular cooking trends of 2020 and 2021 during COVID, the Instant Pot. Thank you, Paula, so much for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Cindy, happy to be with you here today. I wish we could be together in person. Well, I feel like I've been with you a lot in person because I've been fortunate enough to join into several of your Zoom uh, demonstrations Tell us how many uh, demonstrations you have done over the past year through Zoom. Over 145 Zoom cooking and baking classes over the last 13 months or so. Well, I learned from you tips on how to bake the perfect challah. And that's another big trend, both in the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community. Everybody wants to learn how to bake breads and especially Challahs, because everybody's making French toast and bread puddings and carbohydrates suddenly became uh, very trendy. So they became trendy because they're homemade. And I really think that people love that grabbing of the dough with your fingers, 
love the idea that they're making something that a gazillion other people around the world are making a version of the same thing. But there's something magical that happens when you mix simple ingredients together and you see the dough rise first in the bowl and then in the oven. I think it represents hope. And I think that has driven and appealed people to baking bread during this time. Well, I have to tell you, your new book taught me a lot. I didn't realize how many different courses you could actually make in an instant pot. So tell us a little bit about this and and why you decided to write the book and some of your favorite recipes. Absolutely, Cindy. So I was late to jump on the Instant Pot bandwagon and fans of my other four cookbooks were asking me for Instant Pot recipes. I finally got it. I used it three times. I was hooked. Somebody told me about an Instant Pot kosher Facebook group. I joined this group. They had over 8,000 members then. And it was very clear to me that they were frustrated converting non-kosher recipes into kosher recipes. And this, I decided to write a book for this community, which is now 14,600 big. And the Instabot Kosher Cookbook basically has a little bit of everything. There's vegetarian and vegan. There's traditional Jewish. We've got matzo ball soup and kasha and simis. I even have matzo brai and all kinds of traditional Jewish foods, lots of Israeli, international recipes, vegan, vegetarian desserts. When you talk about all the different things you can do with the Instant Pot, I'm the kosher baker. I had a great time creating desserts, lava cakes, cheesecake, sponge cake, honey cake. It's really fun to play around with this device. What is the difference between an Instant Pot and a crock pot? Well, a crock pot is a slow cooker. So you put your food in, in the morning and eight hours later you have food. What an Instant Pot does is takes that same exact recipe, that same meat that you're trying to cook over eight hours to get it soft. And then in 35, 40 minutes, you basically have the same taste and deep flavor, but it took so much less time. So think about brisket, think about beans, things that take a long time to cook. Now it's so much faster. So we have a lot of holidays coming up. For our Jewish uh, listeners, we have Passover. And for our non-Jewish followers, we have Easter. Tell us some of the food trends you see for spring and tell us about one or two recipes you can recommend from the book. Well, on the cover of the Instant Pot Kosher Cookbook is one of my favorite all-year-round recipes, but I think it's so perfect for any holiday. And it's my Georgian beet and quinoa salad based on a recipe I tasted in a restaurant in Haifa, Israel a couple of years ago. And you basically cut beets into small cubes and you put the beets and the the quinoa and the water in the Instant Pot and they cook together. And then you add a dressing and celery, parsley, which is so springtime, lots of parsley, lots of spring onions. And it's this wonderful, crunchy and gorgeous pink colored dish. So that's one that I highly recommend. The other thing that the the Instant Pot does really well, it actually cooks frozen food. So you can take boneless chicken breasts, poach them in the Instant Pot in five minutes with water on the bottom, the the frozen chickens on a rack, cook them, shred them, and put them over salad. And I have a carrot and ginger dressing, like the kind you find in a Japanese restaurant. I have crustless quiche in it, brunch recipes. I even have salads and pickles and different colored tahini salad and um I had a lot of fun playing around with um, different ingredients and seeing like what, what I could do. It's like, Oh, Moroccan carrots. Absolutely. You know, so it has a lot, has a lot, there's so many things you can do with this device. I'm really fascinated with the desserts. 
Because I would never think that in a pot like that, you can make a dessert. And yet you just mentioned at least a half a dozen. What's your favorite dessert? I think cheesecake is one of my absolute favorite desserts, although I am known for my kosher, for my, I am known for my chocolate babkas. And I would say chocolate babka and black and white cookies have been my most popular Zoom classes, in addition to these after school dinner prep classes that I do where I have teenagers cook with me and make dinner for their families. But the Instapot is particularly good at making those desserts that you would normally cook in a water bath. So I think flourless chocolate cake, flan, Hoda creme, anything custardy, just kind of steams beautifully with the water just at the bottom of the pot. Where can our listeners uh, purchase your book? Well, the fastest way to get it these days is from Barnes & Noble, whether calling it up and picking it up or going on their website. You can also buy them directly from me if you want them signed, as well as my other four cookbooks, my Passover book, my holiday book, my kosher baker original cookbook and i even have a healthy cookbook which i always joke is how you're supposed to eat so you always have room for dessert and that's one of my favorite cookbooks by the way oh i love that book it's so pretty so you can get all those books from me as well just go to the kosherbaker.com where there are lots of recipes lots of instant pot tips holiday food indexes and recipe indexes and ways to find lots of recipes and you can message me through the contact page and we can i can arrange to uh, ship books out to you Paula, one last question. Out of all the books that you've written, what is a most requested recipe? I think my most popular recipe to date is my chocolate quinoa cake from the Healthy Jewish Kitchen. Food 52 called it a genius recipe. 63,000 people watched the video of how to make it. It is gluten-free. It is Passover friendly. It's an amazing chocolate cake for any occasion. It freezes well. It's cooked quinoa and a whole bunch of cake ingredients. So I think that is probably like one of my most popular recipes. And it's, it's kind of magic. And I didn't even know you were going to talk about a kosher for Passover recipe when I asked you that. So that fits perfect. Yeah. And Passover desserts and dairy-free kosher desserts, they should just be good. They shouldn't be just good enough for Passover or, and nothing should ever be good enough for gluten-free. Nobody should eat anything that isn't worth the calories ever. So I only put out desserts in the world that are going to be fabulous. And yes, I, I do love my desserts. No, I can't survive on babka and ruglach all the time. So I have to cook regular food too. But that's probably why most of my savory food recipes tend towards the healthier ones. If I can avoid jarred products, I do. So, you know, I kind of balance out my luscious desserts with lighter food. One last question. A little bit about your background. How did you get into this? Oh, I wanted I wanted to be a doctor my whole life. Went to college pre-med, ended up in law school after a chemistry accident. My husband's work for the U.S. government sent us to Switzerland, worked as a lawyer there, then left that job, went to cooking school for fun, didn't plan a new career, started catering out of my tiny apartment, doing cooking classes for the Jewish community, came back to the U.S., taught classes in my kitchen, edited other people's cookbooks, and then thought, hey, I could write my own. So it took me five years to get the first book out, but now I'm on my fifth cookbook. So I am very proud of bringing joy to so many people's tables. Paula Shoya, the Kosha Instant Pot Cookbook. Thank you so much for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner. Thank you, Cindy. Stay well, everyone. Thank you. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can reach out to me through my website, cindyscorners.com, 
and through Facebook and Instagram. You can hear this show anytime through iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and through Jewish Podcast and Talkline Radio. I wish you all a very happy holiday, and I will be back with more celebrity news, trends, and headliners. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Thank you for joining us at Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Thanks for listening. Talkline Network Radio.